This is the Vantage Podcast. We're live from Boulder. On a nice Saturday morning. My name is Thomas Cordell. Mason Pereira. It is good to be here. Really good. Let's let's fire it up here. We're we're caffeinated. Normally we do these in the evening, but today we're doing it early in the morning. So feels good. The juices are flowing. So before we get started, Tom, did you want to just mention to the people about just the option to subscribe? Yeah, definitely. So I know that some of you are golfers or maybe have played baseball in the past, but there's a certain feeling you get when you hit that ball just perfectly. I don't care if it's a five iron or it's your new baseball bat. There's that feeling when you hit the ball just dead on center perfect. I want you to imagine that feeling as you hit that subscribe button and let us know in the comments what it was like. There we go. I love that. Um, So today we're going to talk about the building blocks of creativity. And I know, Tom, that you have some ideas around that. I have some ideas around that. Yep. Yeah, creativity is a big part of both of our lives. And so a lot. I feel like a lot of my conversations do end up revolving around creativity at a certain point. So I'm excited that we're going to be doing an episode focusing solely on creativity. It's one of it, my favorite things to talk about. It's very worthwhile. So... Obviously, we do both work tremendously with creativity. My profession is quite literally creativity every day, all day long. Creative strategy in particular, working with brands to help them creatively solve problems in unorthodox ways and innovation. So I've learned a lot about creativity. I know that you've learned a lot about creativity more on the business end of things. Yeah, Problem solving is usually where it all starts. You just identify, well, you look at where you want to go and you say, okay, how do I get there? And usually the answer to how do you get there is solving a series of problems. And the more creatively you can think about those problems and solving those problems, usually the more success you end up having. You know, it doesn't mean that you need to think wildly outside of the box, but maybe reframing the issues or figuring out the best way to approach them with a clear and open mind has always served me quite well. Well, and I think that today there's a huge opportunity to kind of demystify creativity because a lot of people think that creativity is hard or, you know, I know you've for sure come across people. I've come across people that are saying, Hey, I'm not creative. Yeah. It seems like it's an intangible um, force. It's, It's not a, it's an esoteric yeah, concept. It, it's not something you can learn or practice. Well, I, I guess you can practice it, but I feel like everybody knows that. But it's not a. It's more like something you have or you don't have. It's right. not. It's not a skill that can be learned. It's, but we don't feel that way. We don't see that. No, way. No, it's well, and I think that some of the things that I want to share with everybody will will actually prove that that's just complete bullshit. It's not true. Everybody's creative. If you have a heartbeat and a brain you're creative if you're alive yeah if you're an organic life form you are quite literally creative and so i want to also just talk about how important i think this is for everybody because when you start to think about where things are going with technology and positioning yourself for the future of the workforce it's really important to understand that basically your brain is either left-brained which is rational linear it's logical and then your right brain is very creative or irrational and 
as we move, we're going to actually very soon here leave the information age and go into what's called the conceptual age, which is AIs. We're basically going to outsource all of our left brain functionality, the math side of the brain. Memory. Memory to computers. We're not going to use that side of the brain. Computers are way better at using the left brain. We, we are already doing that, you know. I'm terrible at addition. That's right. I outsource that to my calculator almost every single time. And we all do. And I have to get in people's faces sometimes and say, hey, look, you as a financial analyst, your job is going away. Yeah, absolutely. You cannot compete with AIs. They will replace you. Uh, Logistics person that's sending air traffic control for companies. Routing. Routing. Anything like that. Your job's going away. Yeah you will be replaced by computers because they're better at it. Yeah, for some reason, everybody, I don't know where this notion came from, but everybody's really familiar and like okay with the notion that travel agents right. are going to go away. Right. It's going to be way more way than more. travel agents. Way more. You know? Way more. If, if you want an example of how artificial intelligence is already playing a role in our world, look at Google Maps. <laughs> you throw in an address and you say, okay, how do I get there? That is artificial intelligence. It seems like it, it's non-magical anymore because we're so used to it. But at a certain time, that would have been near inconceivable totally. for a computer to do. And it would have been way better to ask a cabbie in a certain area how you get from point A to point B. And they would have the knowledge. Right. But now it's better to ask Google Maps or Waze or so whatever. So this is the gravity. All knowledge workers, right? C- computer programmers financial analysts, scientists, doctors, they will be replaced. I'm sorry, I have to get in the face and say it. It's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when you're going to be getting robotic surgeries, but you will. Someday, you will never trust a human hand to do your surgery. It's just going to happen because those AIs are going to do thousands and thousands of surgeries and they're going to have that knowledge humans can only do how many hundreds of surgeries per year and you have to look at the amount of data available to an artificial intelligence versus a human we have two eyes hands smell hearing you know a you know imagine you're laying on a table for surgery There, there would be hundreds of cameras around you and there would be so many different angles and simulations that they could run. And, you know, they'd be able to run your situation up against a thousand other patients mm-hmm. who were just like you. And an individual doctor just isn't going to have that AI's bank, are better. bank of experience. Yeah. They're better. Yeah. They're better at left brain, empirical, logical, ra- rational, linear thinking. So then what is left? Okay, so that's the good news. Creativity. So we're moving away from knowledge workers. In, in, in the future, whenever this does happen, I don't know. But computer programmers, people who do knowledge-based work, doctors, they're going to be replaced. We, as humans, because we just have a disadvantage, our brain isn't as, isn't as intelligent. But there's something unique, which is com- computers are really good at a couple things. So data collection, processing power. They're logical. They're really good with markets, right? They're great with pattern recognition. So you give them a large data set, they can figure things out. Yes. They're rational. They have tremendous reason, right? And they're very good for like tactics. 
for generating a tactic. You come to it with something that you need. If you think about it, computer, anything that, re- that can read directions, that's going to be outsourced to computers. If yes. There's a, if, yes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yep. computers need directions. Basically, if somebody can get, hand you a piece of paper that tells you what you're supposed to do for your job, that will be done by computers. That's correct. So what's left? So humans have something that, that computers don't. And I'll give you an example. A lot of it has to do with meaning. So computers are really good at finding anomalies, right? And humans are really good at understanding meaning. What do things mean? Computers have a really hard time with that. Like a metaphor for a computer, like for me to say like, you are a bird. Computers have a lot of time, a very hard time understanding what that means. But a human to understand a bird, they could probably make a connection yeah. about what that might mean. Definitely. And they have, yeah, we have a whole lot of context, I guess, and emotion wrapped up in it. Exactly. So here's a list of some things that, that humans um, can do and will need to really dig into Yeah, as they want to future-proof their job. And sure. a lot of this revolves around creativity. So storytelling, creativity, understanding and surveying culture. Okay. Problem solving. We said computers were really good at pattern recognition. Yeah. When it comes to, like you said earlier, complex problem solving, it's difficult. Using your intuition, finding meaning, and then computers are very tactical, right? Surgical. Yes. Humans are more strategic. So understanding the big picture is something that the human brain does very well, whereas yes. computers are really good at getting granular and into the details and coming up with great tactics. Yep. Right? Yep. At the end of the day, computers are tools. They're extremely, extremely, extremely complex and effective tools. tools. But that's what they are. There has to be somebody using the tools. And to add something to that list, something I just thought of, humans are very good at setting goals, mm-hmm. understand goals. Which um, comes from meaning too. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, It's what is the overall purpose of all of these actions that we're taking a computer or a tool, I don't know I don't know if a computer or tool can ever have that. Right. I don't know if they can ever be goal oriented, create novel and meaningful goals. They're not people just because they are intelligent in quotes, um, doesn't mean that they are people. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And it, it is kind of difficult because it's really easy to start like humanizing these tools because they're so good at doing so much of what we do. Right. But there is a, there, there are many fundamental differences between us and computers. And it sounds obvious, but it is like subconsciously, I feel like we're kind of like, oh, you know, we might just be completely overrun. You know, they can play chess better than us now and they're going to be able to do everything better than us in the future and we'll just be swept aside or something like that. But I do think there are fundamental, very, very fundamental differences. At the end of the day, they're, they're tools. Exactly. And, and, and how, do we, how do we thrive in that environment? How do, we, how do we insulate ourselves from the fear of, like you said, believing that a computer is all-encompassing, you know, going yeah. to rule the world? Well, yeah. m- my theory is it's not. And my hope is that by presenting some of the stuff that I've learned from very highly creative people, it's... It's not something, this is a very efficient way to 
uh, future-proof your work and become and thrive in what they are calling the conceptual age. So moving away from the information age into the conceptual age where creators and strategists run the world. Yes. So I want to talk about basically it's called combinatory creativity or another way of thinking about this is like synthetic creativity. And this is something that most of the innovations that you see in the world, I would call it synthetic creativity. I think that raw creativity is basically impossible or has happened once, you know, probably during the big bang, right? Synthetic or combinatory creativity is a, is it's basically the idea that creativity is really nothing more than a new combination of existing or old elements. So the root of com- combinat how do you say that word? Combinatory. Combinatory is combine. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Cool. So you're taking these concepts, these existing concepts or old concepts, and combining them in a new way. Yeah, definitely. It's and, a, yeah, it's a new synthesis of past things. I love to use this example of combinatory creativity. Lil Nas X with that song Old Town Road, yeah. the like country song that's also a rap song, it's combinatory creativity. Definitely. He said, hey, there's this country music over here and then there's this awesome rap over here and we're going to smash it together to create something that's new. Yes. Right? People, people heard Old Town Road and they were like, I've never heard this before. Yes. Well, you had heard it before, you just heard it in, in, in silos as opposed to in one format. Yeah. So there's that form of creativity and then there's raw creativity, which is just emerging from nothing, pure expression. Exactly. And I think that there's elements of raw creativity that come in through combinatory creativity, which we'll talk about, but also just to give another example of combinatory creativity, just think about something like the iPhone. So computers plus phone, smash them together plus cameras. Yeah. 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 So like the, these are the building blocks of creativity. And and now I want to give you a metaphor, which is another right brain tactic, right? Or a, a simile. So creativity is basically a, a particle collider. So if you know about like the Large Hadron Collider in yeah. Geneva, yeah. where basically that, that is the most fundamental creativity machine ever made because what they're doing is they're creating particles. Right. Yeah. So they're trying to create new like quirks or quarks or whatever they call that stuff. Yeah. And so how does it work? Well, they take one particle over here on the left and they take another particle on the right and then they speed them up around a circle till about light speed and then they smash them together and it creates new particles. Quite literally the fundamentals of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I'm, that raw creativity, I believe I also see it manifesting in improvisation, whether mm-hmm. it be jazz or a guitar solo. You are, there are certain artists who I feel are able to channel raw creativity. Yes. They're not creating new particles, they're not creating new physical matter, but they are creating new sounds, new new waveforms that have never existed before. And they're coming from this deep, dark place, Mm -hmm. you know, this pregnant darkness from where all creativity comes. And some people are able to channel that. Yes. And, and it's 
that type of raw creativity, that is raw creativity. The, the interesting thing about it is it's reliant on combinatory creativity. In terms of having the... In yeah, order to exist. Have, have, having the bank of, say, notes to play. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it, it, it can channel, but it can't be... I think that's why people that are that creative have a hard time, you know, ADD and hard time translating their ideas, per se, into reality. Well, yeah, they're not... I mean, the expression is the music itself. It is that guitar solo. It is that, you know, it is that expression. It's not what that expression means. It's not an idea. It's not anything that surrounds it. It's not the amount of money that they make on it. It's not It's not even recording it and playing it again in the way it sounds when it's recorded. It right. is that initial expression is that raw creativity. And yeah, they draw on musical structures that they've learned to be able to express that. So, so maybe it is combinatory because it's an arrangement. I think there's an infusion there. Yeah. I think again, this raw creativity, I think plays a very small role. Like I, I do think that raw creativity does exist. Yeah. I just don't think it exists to the degree that people don't understand creativity and the building blocks of how it works. Yes, definitely. Right. Agreed. Agreed. For sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like, it's we, like we can get more into the raw creativity later in the episode yeah, when we talk it. about the intersection of creativity and art as let's opposed to creativity and business or, you know, product or advertising or something else hell yeah let's do it so i think that that what i want to present is basically a a method how do you consistently create really strong new novel ideas yeah how do you do this this is quite literally my job as a strategist i have to help brands reinvent themselves and how do you do that it's a very complex problem and it and it has kind of a a weird path. Now, what I do call this model, I call it p- particle collision or the particle collider model. And it's, it's, it's not a, there's no one way to do it. It's a framework. I think that that is key sure. for the future. Yeah. So humans are really good at working within frameworks. Yes. Computers are really good with a logical list of directions. Yes. So when you want to say, hey, my, is what I'm doing, is what I'm good at positioned for the future? Are you good at working with loose frameworks? Does it require judgment on your exactly? Part? That's right. So, so before we get into this model, the first thing that I want to talk about is basically step zero of this particle collider model. Okay, is everything starts with questions. Yes. So, questions are quite literally how you think. If you think about it, how do I think? Well, what did you just do there? You just asked a question right? How do I think? It's literally the way that you think is determined through the questions that you ask. Yes. And so really like the first step in the creative process, I believe, step zero, actually, excuse me, is that there has to be an acknowledgement that good creativity is 100% dependent on asking good questions. Yes. Yeah. If you don't ask good questions, you're not going to get good ideas. Yeah. And and a way of thinking about this is basically like if thinking is like a gust of wind, like this, you know, kind of unpredictable thing, 
questions or like the sails that allow you to harness the wind and really direct it? Yeah, so I use this day in, day out, every single day with my work. And what I do is I need to solve some problem, right? I frame the problem as best I can, and I literally just ask my subconscious in just raw question form. You know, I ask myself, what is the best way to do X? And then I completely fucking forget about it. I move on and I just chill. I I don't know. I move on to do something else. I go get a glass of water, go grab a cup of coffee. And more often than not, an answer just pops into my head in short order, usually. And it's usually a very good answer. And then I just keep doing that. And that's I that that's a tool that I use consistently day in and day out to do good work or, or what I think is good work. So you just told the story that I think is going to confirm everything about creativity. I think that there's some things that maybe you could do. There's some additional things to that approach that might help you. I'm all ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So step zero, questions, right? Yeah. Literally the fundamental. If you don't have good questions, you're not going to get good answers. You have to know where you want to go. Exactly. And, and if you don't know where you want to go, that's a question. So step one in this particle collider model is gather information. Yeah. Now you want to gather two types of information. You want to gather very specific information about the task at hand, right? So whatever problem it is that you're solving, let's just say that I'm rebranding a deodorant product. Sure. I need to gather very specific information about deodorant. Yeah. Right. Then there's another type of information. You need to gather general information. So you want to collect information from like external disparate events, movements, trends, behavioral shifts, cultural artifacts, things that people find meaningful that aren't necessarily directly involved with deodorant. Like one thing that you could talk about is like taboos around armpits. Sure. Right? Like people are weird about armpits. That's a disparate thing that you need to collect, right? So specific information and general information things about exactly the problem that you're trying to solve yes, and things that are tangential or related okay. to the things that you're trying to solve. So in, in like a financial sense, some specific information would be, say you're trying to build a financial app, it would be here's how much like spare income a person usually has to have to start investing through like an app or something. More general information would be here are societal norms around investing. Wall Street bets crypto you know there's all sorts of i mean do people get all of their investing and investing advice from their grandfathers for example or do they get it online it's like are there is it different for different cultures you know that's the kind of stuff that would be probably useful to survey exactly and and also things like occupy wall street yeah like what are people what's going on with money and the thing is you don't need to you don't need to come up with like, when you're gathering this information, it's just about exposing yourself to it. Correct. It's not about coming to some kind of conclusion about each of these things or saying why it's relevant. It's just about giving yourself the raw building blocks. Yeah, it's a survey. You don't have to know what to do with the information it's right just, away. It's just you're, you're just gathering the particles. Yeah, you're ca- right? exactly. You're casting a wide net. Yeah. 
You know, you want to have a lot of things in your toolbox and your toolbox being your brain. It just needs to be there. Yeah. You never know what's going to be relevant. Yeah. You need to saturate your mind with things that you know are relevant, but then things that might be relevant as well that you don't, that aren't necessarily apparent. Yeah. Right. For sure. And that is something that takes judgment. Correct. And it takes human judgment to know what is going to be relevant, what might be relevant, where you should research and learn learn more about. Computer probably isn't going to be able to gather that general knowledge because it's not directly related and there's no roadmap for it. That's right. And so actually I can offer a tool for how do you determine what's relevant as you're as you're going through this process. Okay. So basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to find insights. What are insights? How do you identify an insight? This is something that I was trained. So an insight is anything, you know it's an insight when you, when you or somebody would say, oh my gosh, that is so true. I've just never thought of it like that. Yeah. That's an insight. So then, okay, that's what you're going after. That's how you know you're on the right track, right? Is you know you're finding gold when you're starting to build insights like that. Now, insights come from connections. So how do you find the information, right? The way that you find the information is by simply when you're out there surveying the landscape, when you're gathering information, what you do is you just say, you ask yourself, again, a question, what, is there anything that's surprising here? Hmm, Yeah. What's surprising? Our minds are very good at finding things that are novel. Exactly. Our minds latch on to the new, the different, the novel and the unique. That's right. And so like for us, like with a brand strategist, like a junior brand strategist gets bogged down in information, right? They don't find insights when the way that you find insights is through surprise. Yeah. If you're surprised by something, it's probably related or an insight itself. Yeah. And you, and it makes sense that junior analysts or people who are new will have difficulty doing that because they don't know what is new or they don't know what is standard and what is surprising. That's right. Whereas if you're an industry vet or you've been in the industry for a given amount of time, you'll be able to look at it and you'll say, okay, this doesn't fit any models that I've become acquainted with thus far. Exactly. You know, this is this is new. I'm going to dive into that. Whereas for, uh, for somebody who is in the beginning stages, everything's new. Right. So you just have to expose yourself to but, but even then with it with a new person they do if they're personally surprised by something like oh my gosh i've never thought about whiskey like that or that's a yeah. crazy stat yeah, yeah, yeah. 49% of whiskey drinkers are women yeah. you know i don't know if that's true but that's an interesting stat to me yeah for right? sure so like if you're surprised by something yeah it's probably something that you want to just add into the toolbox so yeah. if you're reading an article you're looking for like surprising statistics or surprising quotes or whatever that is. And if it's not surprising, nix it out, close that window, go on to another article. And what, and what a better way to go about the world than pursuing things that are interesting to you. Exactly. And it's directly beneficial. Exactly. So I think that, that, so it's gathering specific information, gathering general information or related information, right? Disparate events, movements, trends that aren't necessarily exactly about your product or your idea or, what, or your task and saying, hey, what else might be connected to this? That's another good question. Like what else might be related to this or sure. 
connected to this. And then when you're, when you're gathering that information, just making sure that, you know, you don't get swamped down by all the information. Yeah. Like ask yourself what's surprising about this. Every time you read a new piece or article or whatever it is, what's surprising, you know, I like that. Yeah. Okay. So then, okay. So you've, you've done your data collection. Yeah. What's the next important thing to do? So you've got all this information and you have no idea how it's connected. You're not really worrying about that at this point, right? Kind of like what you said, like you walk away from it, but maybe you haven't walked away from it yet. You've collected all this information. What's the next step? Mapping out the variables, right? So sure. Yeah. So what you need to do is, you know, once you, once you've gathered that general and specific information, you need to start kind of making sense of things. And I like to think about these types of things like a big algebra problem, right? A multivariable algebra problem. And so you basically just say, okay, I'm trying to innovate this thing and I've collected a bunch of information about X and it probably fits with Y and Z, but I don't really know how. Um, I just need to write down like the basic concepts. So like, you know, going back to this deodorant thing, like, okay, I've got deodorant. I've got like a history of deodorant here. I've got armpits and their relationship and culture. Sure. And I've got, you know, the toxins within those things, like just map them out. Literally, yeah, any of it. Write them down. You got to write them down. Go back to first principles and figure out exactly what you're doing there and what you have to work with. Exactly. Exactly. Just, just, you you took a big survey. Now you need to survey your survey. Yeah, for sure. Organize that. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So that it's there. And, and then here's, here's where I think your, your process really comes into play. What's the next step after you've like surveyed all the variables and you just write it down in a list format or it's just out there. Yeah. But you've seen it. You did it. Yep. What's the next step? Let it marinate. Just let it sit there. Yeah. I think like this is where people that say, oh, I'm not creative. This is where they fall off because they don't trust that part. Yeah. These left brain, heavy left brain thinkers tend to be like, I need to solve this now. Well, it's like the whole immediate gratification thing. Exactly. And they don't trust that, oh, hey, what I'm actually going to do, because you, and you mentioned this, the subconscious. You have to have complete trust that your subconscious will be able to assimilate and organize the information and present you with an insight. Exactly. You have to have that trust. You have to have that. If you don't have that trust, it can't work. It can't work. You're not creative. Yeah. That's I think that my theory is that that's where these types of people get hung up about creativity. For sure. Yeah, and I, I there, there's a lot of misunderstandings around creativity in our culture and society. I feel like most people you say the word creativity, they probably think of somebody playing guitar in a band, which yeah. is creative, don't get me wrong, but that is quite a bit different than this kind of creativity. There are a lot of there are a lot of stereotypes around creativity, the type of person that's creative. For sure. Yeah. You know? And the reasons for embarking on creative ventures, you know. One of the ones that kind of bugs me a little bit is the notion that creativity should only exist for creative creativity's sake. And there's no like no way to say that a creative expression is good or bad is valuable because it because they did it, which for me seems to be like it's like the kindergarten art class approach. 
where no matter what your kid does in the kindergarten art, art class, no matter how good the giraffe they draw actually is, it's a great giraffe and it's going up on the fridge. And I feel like a lot of people in our culture take that forward into adult life where anything that anybody does that is labeled as creative is just, you get a round of applause because you did it, you know, cool, great, which like awesome, but that's quite divorced from like how you actually create well and continue to create better. It is. Good creative matters. It's hugely important. It's being creative is to be human, in my opinion, especially when you think about where the workforce is going. The analysts, the knowledge workers, the people that know a process, it's not enough. No. It's not enough because machines can do that. To create something, that's human. Yeah, it is. And you have to have good creativity. You do. Because if you don't, then whatever you create doesn't matter. As exactly. much. It might matter for you because you had fun doing it, but it's not going to improve the world. It's not going to inspire anybody. It's not going to do this, that, or, or it's not going to sell more boxes of deodorant. Exactly. <laughs> you know? It's like, look at your goal and you're trying to get to that goal and creativity is how you get there. It you know? is. And I think that the idea with this, with this structure is this is how you make good creative. It's, yeah. it's the formula. It's the secret formula that people who say, oh, I'm not creative. They just don't know this framework. Right? Yeah. You know what's fascinating? We were using that copy.ai tool, right? If you look at copy.ai as the subconscious, it kind of mirrors this process quite a bit. You, yes. You give it specifics. You, you give it a prompt. And then you just drop it into the subconscious, drop it into the program, and it just spits out a whole bunch of things. And then you have to sort through it and say, like, this is garbage, this is good, this is awesome, you know, this is bad. And, like, you kind of do that um, with your own subconscious. But the thing is, the more practice you get with this, the better your answers or the, yeah, the better answers your subconscious comes up with to the questions that you ask. Exactly. And this trust thing with the subconscious, yeah, it makes no logical sense, which is why computers have such a hard time with it and why human beings who are very left brain driven have a very hard time with this concept. Yeah. You got to let go. You got to basically take this information and the variables that you mapped out and you got to transmute it into your subconscious. So, so the fundamental concept of that is, okay, yeah, you, you, you basically, you've got this information. And then when you're mapping out the variables, you're basically like creating the puzzle pieces right? So then you take the puzzle pieces and you just dump them into the subconscious, you know, stew. Yep. Right. Yep. And then, and then you just walk away. And I'll tell you what I've learned about this. Just, just, there's no science here again. So it's just, it's just all from personal experience here, but you want to basically take a jacuzzi in the complexity. So, okay, you dump all these puzzle pieces out into the stew and then you just go take a jacuzzi in it. And this is where like sleep on it, like your brain is going, if you sleep and you're like a lot of times when I'm solving a complicated problem and I sleep on it, my, I dream about it. My brain is going into the crazy place that it does whenever you sleep and it's 
putting these puzzle pieces together. You don't know what's happening, but your brain is making connections. I think that this is also a great time to like listen to music or this is when you see musicians like do drugs or smoking weed or whatever it is. You want to engage your senses. So go on a run. Yeah. Right. Move your body. Listen to music. Eat good food. This is how I think you can really boost these things. Another area about this is procrastinate. Just put it off. Yeah. If you're, if I think, again, left brain people, type A people, they don't like to procrastinate. You've got to just put it off for a little bit. You will know when you've got it. Exactly. You'll, you'll know when it's ready for the world. You know when it's ready to get working on it because it will be inherently motivating. If yeah. you have to force yourself to sit down and run with a solution it's probably not the right solution and if you're not coming up with anything you have to reframe your question or gather more information exactly yeah and 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 so okay so then here's the thing that i think you know left brain people also struggle with is how do you how do you know how do you know when it's time to get out of the jacuzzi or how do you know when the the pie is done in the oven yeah, right yeah. you put all these pieces in it's stewing whatever Here's how I've generally come to realize that it's time to start actually putting these things to a solve. If I'm dreaming about this complex problem, innovative solution, whatever it is, now it's time. Okay. Hmm. You're getting close. Yeah. When you definitely when you stop dreaming about it, it's done. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So, so you're dreaming on it. You're on the verge of a breakthrough. It's time to basically step four is okay. Actually, let me back up. So this, this stew, this jacuzzi where you pour all the puzzle pieces into the jacuzzi and you let it stew, that is the particle collider. So you've then turned on the particle collider. You've said, okay, subconscious brain, smash these concepts together. Smash. I get the general information and the specific information, smash it together. The variables that I've mapped out that might be related to each other, take it, take it. And that's your particle collider. Okay. So that whole effect happens there. You're going to smash together these concepts. Your subconscious is going to say, okay, deodorants and taboos around armpits and natural foods movement over here and these disparate concepts. And your brain's going to, your subconscious is going to go through and it's going to do the particle collider. Yeah. So, okay, you, you're having dreams about it. Maybe the dreams stop. It's time. It's time to take it out of the oven. Put pen to paper map these things out, write a narrative, start writing. That's hugely important. Super important. Yeah. Put it to words. You might understand it. You might have an intuitive sense of what the answer is, but if you cannot clearly articulate it on a piece of paper, then you don't really understand it. That's right. And and this is where you activate your, your left brain talents as an analyst, as a, as a logician. Yeah. Right. Activate your left brain, you know, capabilities and, and translate the things that were in the subconscious into the conscious mind. Yeah. So that, and, and that is the equivalent of, okay, so you turn on the particle collider. This is the equivalent of turning off the particle collider, getting the results and studying them. Yeah. Seeing what it's all about. Exactly. And so that method is kind of a really, I think... I didn't come up with it. It's based off of a book called A Technique to Produce an Idea. As you know, you've read it. I have, yes. Really good book. 
And, uh, and it, I, I found that it works. I love that. One thing that I noticed, I use that in very short term applications. It sounds like you are experienced with it in longer term applications, large projects. For me, I use it like, I'll use it like 10 times a day while I'm building an algorithm or something. And I don't know where to go next. I don't know how to solve a specific problem. I'll use like, I'll do like a micro, a little micro dose of this. Um, I don't know if I've ever applied it to a larger, a larger project before, which would be pretty cool. I'm very excited to do that now, but yeah, I use it in very, very like small contexts, you know, a micro because, because mainly that's like where I have to solve the problems in my job. You know, right. it is building an algorithm. You solve hundreds of small problems to solve one big problem. So that's just like, that's the domain where totally. I've been practicing this. Totally. Yeah. You're, so you're practicing it more in a tactical sense, right? You're going in and you're applying tactics. Yeah. You're saying, okay, I want to deploy this method to come up with a tactical solution for this. Yeah. When you start to apply it, so it keeps getting bigger. It just keeps bubbling up. So you could be, when you get to a strategic method, is when you're starting to say, okay, when I'm looking at my entire business, yeah, how can I connect this to and find relationships to external events? What's in a in a way to kind of a question that's also a great question. I just love good questions. Is what's really going on here? So, like for you, you're asking, you know, what's really going on here with like the specific part of the algorithm. But I think we're humans. Someday, computers are going to be executing all that tactical stuff for you. Sure. Right. And yeah. so I, I think that, yeah. So right now, tactical, we're not there yet. Right. You can't, you don't have a computer where you can say, Hey, I want an application that does this, 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 and this. And can you make me that app? Yeah. Primarily. And primarily what I end up doing is just stitching together a bunch of different applications and creating this sort of, I don't know if tech stack is the right word for it, but it's like a Frankenstein process of a bunch of different programs. They're all easy enough to use. You know, yeah. and all the resources are online. So it doesn't require a lot of technical knowledge. You know, you get better at it as you go. But yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's the cool thing about it is it can be used as like a micro thing mm-hmm. as well as a macro thing. Yeah. So if you are still in a tactical, you know, position, that's normal because we're not from a technology perspective, there's still tactical things that need to be done by humans. You know what? You know what? I also use this. I also use this for choosing where to go out to dinner. <laughs> okay. Explain that. Like last night I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go out um, to eat. Right. I'm looking through the list on Google. Yeah. On Google, just checking it all out and nothing, nothing was appetizing for me. There wasn't like, I mean, there's a bunch of great restaurant options, but nothing was like really calling out to me. And I wasn't excited to go to any of them, you know? <laughs> I know of the um, next steps, but keep going. And I just let it all go. You know, I'm just like, all right, you know, the, when I get hungry enough, something will pop into my mind and I'll be like, yeah, that's what I want, you know? And as soon as I let it go, the answer came to me in like four seconds. There you go. Like what, very what was quickly. the answer? Uh, this place called Dagabi, up on and then on the north side um, of town. What is it? It is a Spanish restaurant mm. and Spanish tapas restaurant, and yeah, super good. It's pretty. 
under the radar. It doesn't really pop up on any of the searches, but I went there a few months back with some buddies and it just popped into my head. And that was a perfect answer. It was exactly where I wanted, <laughs> exactly the environment that I wanted. And it was, it was just right, you know, but my current method of trying to figure it out of looking on Google, trying to find the right restaurant didn't pay off. And as soon as I just like let it go into the ether and just ask myself, you know, where do I want to go? My subconscious had an answer, you know? Right. And it, and it is like this, the type A people need to know what it is mm-hmm. right away. They don't want to wait. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to be able to give that up. You got to be, you got to balance like the type A and type B to a certain degree. Yeah. You have to keep the overall goals in mind for sure. Right. You know, you can't go full blown like flying in the wind. I'm actually not going to go eat. I'm going to go drive go-karts instead. Right. I mean, you can, but like at the end of the day, it's Friday night at seven o'clock. Like you got to go eat something. Right. You know, so there are constraints, but I feel like it's about giving yourself the right constraints that allow you to play within them, you know, and and that's kind of what like life and work comes down to is giving yourself the proper constraints. You got to have structure to your life. You have to have discipline. But at the same time, you don't want to stifle your creative processes or any opportunities for play, happiness, and spontaneity that may arise. So it's it's a balance, you know, and everybody has different tolerances for different levels of discipline versus creativity in their lives. I and mean, it's all about finding your exact distribution that, that really works for you. Right. And, and I think that this model, the particle collider model, brings that nice balance it does it gives you it helps you conceptualize of it yeah and it and it also the whole like it demystifies it does it's not this is not this thing that comes out of the ether from the gods no you're not creating that raw creativity again it's pretty rare so you know the combinatory creativity in my opinion for the most part, it moves 99% of the world. For sure. You know, the iPhone came from combinatory creativity. Yeah, definitely. So I I think that this understanding... Now, here's the thing that I love about this model. The whole brain jacuzzi thing, like, that requires trust in the unknown. This yeah. model doesn't make rational sense. And it requires trust in yourself. Exactly. It doesn't require trust in... An institution. It doesn't require trust in... Directions, manual. Yeah. I I guess maybe it is trust in the creative process in and of itself, but it doesn't doesn't feel that way. You know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like you have this treasure map, and then it leads you to a cliff. Yeah. (laughs) A waterfall cliff, and it's just like, well, it says to fucking go forward here. Exactly. You're like, all right, I guess I'm jumping, you know. Exactly, but but that's what it is. Yeah. For and sure. If you can trust it, if you can trust your subconscious and just dump all the puzzle pieces into the thing and be like, I'm not solving this right now. And to do that, you also have to you have to admit to yourself that you don't know the answer. That's right. Which I feel like can be difficult. And there's um, a humility there. Too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause you're supposed to be an expert at brand development and this and that. So like you sitting there and saying I don't know. Right. Isn't the easiest thing every time. As you get used to it, it's pretty easy. And everybody who's any good at anything 
knows that there's always so much more to learn and knows how little you actually know. But it is step one, pretty much. Well, and this process makes it easier to take feedback. Yeah. Because you're like, this isn't really me. I'm just applying the process. And, you know, somebody else mm-hmm. could have different ideas. Like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. So you're not as, like, precious about your ideas. You're like, look, I just put it in the particle collider and this is what came <laughs> out. Yeah, so, what, what do you guys think? Yeah, so then somebody else this building is the best it. I was able to come up with. Exactly. You know? yeah. And most likely, if you're using this process consciously, like, your ideas are going to be better than people who don't use this process. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's one thing. But if you, if you find people that also know how to use the particle collider. How cool would that be? You just have a group group of like ten. Everybody's doing the same. Oh, it would be fucking amazing. That would be super cool. It, 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 we we don't have enough of this. If and we then, had people think like yeah. this, it'd be a better world. And then you take those, you take the outputs, and you let those do. Mm-hmm. You run the cycle again. Exactly. This is where do you the end future up? of humanity. Yeah. Right. This is humans' role in the workplace. You're not going to have delivery people. You're not going to have people running logistics. You're not going to have people analyzing data. That shit's going to get done for us. All the automation is going to be, you're not going to drive your car. Your car is going to drive itself. So how do you, what does a world look like where humans are not vital in those areas? Everything's autonomous. It runs itself. What does a world look like? What do we do? We got to, we got to tap into this stuff. Yeah. If you want to be engaged in exactly. the moving forward, in the world moving forward, you can hang out and play Xbox and watch Netflix and not be engaged. It's not going to be as much fun. You know, but this is going to be a, this is a tremendously fun world that we're moving into. And this is how you stay involved. Exactly. You future proof yourself this way. Yeah. Because shit's going to change fast, faster than we think. Way faster than we think, you know? And I do think that, that once we start getting here, we're going to tap into our humanity. For sure. Right now we're acting like machines. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. We're going to move more towards a balanced state. Right now we're leaning left quite a bit. Right. Leaning towards the left brain quite a bit. Now we're going to swing the dial back over a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think that that's the biggest thing about this technological revolution and artificial intelligence that's going to, it's going to show us humanity's true value is going to show us who we really are apart from being calculators because for a while that was like that's what we were the best at and we needed that oh for sure yeah when i mean look at like enlightenment stuff we needed math and science and we needed to be the best at math and science and we needed to be extremely good at educating our population and how to do these things because that made us distinct in the world exactly and now this is the new world there's an inflection point that happened i don't know when exactly it happened yeah but increasingly, there's a rise of right-brained. And right-brained is not, it has a bad rap, right? Like, people think that right-brained people are crazy. Illogical. Illogical. Yeah. Irrational. Yeah. Stupid, even. Yeah. But when you can intelligently learn and become aware of how the right brain works. That's a superpower. I that's, I think that that's that's the future of humans for sure you know and so for me anybody that says oh i'm not creative or oh i don't work in a creative space it's like you better start yeah and the cool thing is this like upends our 
our traditional education system because the only so you can learn the basics the basics of these of this mason just explained in i mean could have explained it in probably a minute if it's you, not very complicated if you said it quickly you know it doesn't require 18 years of schooling to learn but you just want to practice and it'd be really cool if we had an environment where you were able to practice this technique and get feedback it would be and it's important yeah imagine that was the education system that'd be awesome and then you just learn domain specific knowledge as you need to right and then there's like yeah like i like this idea that you came up with where like okay you've got all these people running the particle collider method on all sorts of things and then they all come back and they converge about what they found from their method yeah you know that's like a brain trust yeah where it's a hive mind where literally the best decision can come from that. And that's not to devalue true, like meritocracy, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to devalue the importance of like data. No, data informs all of this. It's vital yeah. to the process. Yeah. Data is what yeah, data is what you use. Yeah, it's it's, it's the building blocks. It you is. Know, the better data you have and the more access to data you have, the better your building blocks are going to be and the more accurate your conclusions are going to be. Because if you're working on bad, inaccurate, impartial or partial data, then your conclusions are not going to be as good. That's right. And if you're running a company or you're creating a product, you're going to create a better product from using the part left brain methodology of coming up with the most information you possibly can about your product and then coming up with these metaphorical or related concepts and merging them you're going to the world will have a bunch of better products it just creates a better world in general the more we can think this way and tap into what humans are truly good at instead of pretending that we're good at something you know other than this and truly, I mean, I enjoy every part of this process. Oh, it's quite a it's bit. It's great. It's easy. It's fun. It's natural. It makes me feel accomplished. And it's non-draining either. Yeah. You don't, you don't, it's not like afterwards you're wiped. Right. You're like, man, I just had such a hard day, you know. It's natural. So it, it builds you up and things that are truly good, it ends up having a net positive, a recursive, recursively positive effect on your life. And then as you are healthier, happier, a more fit tool, the better your ideas will be. Yeah, And it, it all keep feeding back into itself. It's rhythmic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like it flows with like the rhythm of humanity. Yeah. Like we, the waveform. Yeah. 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 yeah like, like humans in business culture, and I do hate business culture. I just hate it, man. Yeah. The second we start getting into the dry shit, <laughs> I'm like, this is so just you know, over it. It's unbearable for me. So, like, with, and I have an appreciation for it because it's, it's critical to the success of any operation, but it's the people that make it all about that. That yes. I think you have to have the balance. But I think, you know, the companies that are so worried about timelines, I'm like, guys, give it 
the time that it needs Agreed. to do it right. Yes. And there's a proper time to implement things. There's a proper time to create things. And it requires human judgment for that. And those timelines can't be informed by various departments. You can't have one department saying, oh, we need this because of all of this other stuff. It just has to, the thing has a life of its own. Exactly. Like I would love to see a statistic of the number of successful product launches where every single milestone was hit on the exact date it was needed. Yeah. My guess is that the iPhone did not follow that rule where, okay, we're going to set a timeline for this. You know who's the worst with timelines is Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> He's the funniest. Yeah. We'll have it done tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but well, he says we'll have it done tomorrow, but it's so unrealistic yeah. that it creates this culture of like timelines don't matter. Yes. But also everybody works to get it done tomorrow and it ends up getting done way sooner than if he was like, We're gonna do it next month. Right. He because then everybody's like, like oh, we still have until next month. He's like, no, I want everybody working as hard as they can all of the time. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's why he does it. Because, I mean, like, when he was, like, in his younger days, dude, he was, like, at the office for, like... Oh, he, well, was, he was living at the office, showering at the Y, sleeping, like, three hours a night, just working. Right. But if you're working that hard and it takes longer and you're working that hard, then it takes longer to do this stuff. Yeah. And that so that's, I think, like... Where companies need to just, there are certain things that timelines like deliveries and logistics, again, that left brain stuff, it's important. But like, hugely, yes. Yeah. Like, timelines are very important. If you're talking about when dollars are going to hit an account, right? Timelines are crucial. Yes. <laughs> the time that product yeah. arrives at the store, yes. Crucial. Huge. Yeah. Very Absolutely. important. Absolutely. You can't say, Oh, you know what happens when it happens, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, there there are there are things where timelines matter. The things that can really move your business with disruptive transformational innovation, timelines don't matter. Yeah, because we understand that world where timelines matter. We exactly. understand that left brain consistency, the world of yeah, left brain consistency. We don't so much understand this world of right brain contribution well and and actually i want to i want to walk back for a quick second timelines do matter yeah but approach it in a human way which is a rough timeline like that's what i love about my boss my boss will be like look when can you get this done and i'll be like maybe late september that's my timeline yeah and it also is built in, it's July when we're having this, it's early July when we're having this conversation. Yeah. You know? It's not, yeah, I'll get it to you on Monday. Right. Yeah. And if I, and if, and the other thing that I love about my boss, I think this is just great management for somebody that's working on like an innovative space or creative space is like, if, if you miss, if I were to miss my timelines, my boss, for the client, my boss would be like, I'm defending him. Like you need, like, listen, yeah. you need to understand the process here. And this is creativity and it doesn't work that way. And so you need to sit down and wait. That's a good creative manager. For sure. If he's on you and he's saying, you were supposed to have this two days ago, that's not going to help you get it done. Oh, it's, it's not going to help. It. Yeah, exactly. You'll be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> exactly. It'll, it'll, it'll screw up the whole thing. It does. Know? 
And I mean, it's really great that he understands that. Yeah. And he understands the process. Yeah. And he'll protect it. Yeah. You got to make sure it's right though. Yeah. It's way better to be two months late and have it be correct. Yeah. And And so I think the moral of the story there is like companies have to change their approach to like when you're doing something big for your company, don't put a timeline on. I mean, put a put a put an expectation on it. But like if it goes over, it goes over. Yeah, it's an estimate and you can check with people and make sure that they're actually working on it. You know, maybe you have this process mapped out and maybe you can say, hey, I'm in step two. I'm in the data gathering stage. And then he could maybe be like, yeah, you know, because of these things with the clients, like this has like, this is sped up, you know, maybe move that up on your priority list, gather your data a bit more quickly. You know, some areas you can speed up right? and you can say, okay, you have two weeks to gather data, go out and do that. But in terms of the synthesis and the actual like creative product, that is up to the gods pretty much. (laughs) Well, but you make a great point. Awareness of the process. Yeah. Because then you're having a more educated conversation about it. Right. You're like, I'm here in the process. Yeah. So like we can't skip over that step. Yeah. And I don't know how long that jacuzzi is going to be. Yeah, exactly. But it might be a while and that's okay. And then it's like, well, just don't sit in the jacuzzi for a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not not hard to imagine somebody who's not doing it properly I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just waiting for the answer, the insight to come. <laughs> but like also, okay, so. <laughs> month, month, month two, I've just been hanging out in the islands. It'll come to me right, eventually. Exactly. <laughs> well, how, how fun would it be to like live in a world where you're having a conversation with your manager and you're like, dude, I'm still in the jacuzzi. <laughs> and he like knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Like that's how it should be. Both literally and metaphorically, yeah. I am in the jacuzzi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the jacuzzi, fuck off. Yeah, man. I think, I think that it is just a cool thing to realize yeah you know yeah i i've always thought i up in you know prior to three four years ago creativity for me wasn't so much connected with business or money or management or administration or anything like that i truly didn't have much contact with those things three four years ago you know my world was school and then whatever was interesting to me which you know be it music probably music poetry whatever you know literature so i was always thinking of creativity as it related to the the art scene you know right and there's a lot of parallels there the the equivalent of using this process in an artistic domain would be say you are a musician you have to understand your instrument you have to say we'll use guitar for an example instead of like gathering data you would build muscle memory Mm. you would learn musical structures you would practice your instrument you would become good at playing it there's no creative expression there at all you're just running through scales and stuff. Right. And then you let it all go. Forget Mm. all of your theory. Forget all of that. Forget your theory. Forget your practice. Forget the notes. Forget this. Everything. And you just, hey, let it all go. Mm. 
And then you hang out one night, you'll pick up your guitar and you'll just feel the need to express something. It'll surface and then you'll play. Mm. So that I, I feel like that is the, that is the equivalent in a more traditional art sense. Yeah. And with painting, it would be, you would learn the brush strokes. You would learn to mix colors so that when that, when that expression, when that creative expression does find you, you are a fit tool to be able to express it. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that was a domain in which I was familiar with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that the beautiful part about creativity too is that there's no one way to look at it. No. You know, like, I mean, I do think that there is this misconception that like you can only be creative if you're an artist or you're yeah whatever it is it's our more stereotypical understanding of what a creative individual does and how creativity expresses itself right and it's just a different side of the prism you know for sure but i think when you do discover like you did you know with like oh business can be creative like applying this subscription model in place of a standard model is a creative act yeah for sure yeah it's tremendously fun it's very fun and there's a lot of very tangible and immediate benefits and rewards to doing so you know society really really rewards you for doing this right now they do but business culture generally in my opinion undervalues this type of of process at this point in time. Yeah. I think in business culture, this, this kind of has to be something that happens um, in the background. This is just a tool that you use while still working within the traditional framework. It's not like, it's highly unlikely that you would just walk into your job at IBM or Comcast and you're <laughs> like, you know what? We're going to change things up. <laughs> hey guys, this is the particle collider <laughs> yeah, concept. Exactly. And we're using this shit now. You're going to do this and then everybody's going to go off and take a vacation for a week and come back and we're going to talk about it. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. <laughs> but that's what I, I think it's a big threat. Well, so those companies are, are fundamental. So like Google or, you know, IBM or whatever it is, like they're pretty insulated because they have the right brained technology. Does that make sense? No. So like they're going to be fine because those are the companies that are going to are going to control the AIs. Yeah, sure. So they're like monopolizing okay, left brain thinking. I okay, yep, got it. And yeah, so yeah. everybody's and that's really all technology like to me, the way that I view technology is it's kind of like electricity. It's this raw material for me as a human to create layers on top of. So I'm really not interested in technology. Yeah. I'm interested in using technology and combining Tools. it. Exactly. Yeah. Technology is tools. Exactly. Tools are pretty cool, but for me, tools are just that. That is an interesting way to think of technology is just as tools. So they're tools that you, they're pieces to the puzzle that you can put together and then dump into the jacuzzi and come out with something. It's a really effective hammer. It is. It is. That's that's a fascinating way to think of it. and And I think that more and more tools are being invented every day. Yeah. I think one of the important things to take away from the understanding of technology as a tool is that tools are used 
in service of humanity. Exactly. They're, they're used by humans. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. To better till your field or to better build your home or to better help you navigate. Yes. But they're u- designed for use by humans. And the usage of the tool is not inherently valuable. Yes. Because we might have these algorithms running and artificial intelligence telling us how many grains of sand there are in the ocean or yeah, that's not, that's not valuable. Right. And structure isn't inherently valuable. No, so you yeah. can set up an LLC. That's not valuable. Yeah. How do you layer value on top of that? You've got to use your creative muscles. Yeah, exactly. You got to use this process. Yeah. Nothing is, yeah, value is fascinating. It is. I feel like one of these days we'll have to have a discussion on value. Value is very, very weird. Yeah. I mean, we're having, today we're talking quite a bit about how you, how you will continue to add value Mm -hmm. in the future once the landscape changes. And it's pretty clear that things are heading that way. I think anybody who tells you different is resistant for Mm -hmm. some reason. They want to keep their job as a, Whatever. Cashier, yeah, teller. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I think another another part of this is like I have a theory. I have no proof for this theory that the more creative and truly creative, consciously creative, purposefully creative a human being is, the more fulfilled they are. Yeah, I agree. You know, like even doing this podcast is a form of creativity for me. Yeah. And I walk out of it feeling great. If I, 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 I find that I feel better when I send documents or deliverables, you know, like I've created something Yeah, every day than if I don't. Definitely. There's, yeah, for me, I'll, I'll work on a project, I'll get it done and it feels amazing. It feels so great to move on to a different project or close the chapter on that. And a lot of times it'll happen towards the end of the day, be like, you know, 4.30 or whatever, close that chapter, go celebrate, you know, go grab myself some ice cream or something, (laughs) you know, just go hang out, go for a hike, just enjoy it, just kind of bask in the success of it all, you know. And then the next morning it's just back at it again. Back at it. And it's wonderful because the whole process is fun totally and it's engaging and it's interesting and cool and i i personally am thankful each day that i get to wake up and continue to do that right and i can imagine a world where i don't have the opportunity to do that and it doesn't make me happy no you know it makes us not human like all these people that are unhappy yeah. Are people like if they could just use a process like this to like translate it into something useful? For sure. Yeah. Like instead of bitching on Twitter, yeah. Use the particle collider method and come up with an idea and pursue it to solve the problem. Yeah. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, yeah. And exactly. it's the only way to really. Because you can solve whatever problem you want. Yeah. You know, if, if you're feeling very, very upset about a particular issue use this method to solve the issue it has get get active about it well well i think that you know the i mean the cool thing is 
if you do it, if you create things, it's the only way to really outlive yourself. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I am. I would like to leave some kind of legacy behind. Yeah. You know, something to be some kind of contribution. Yeah. You know, would be, would be very great. And everybody has that potential. I think that that's what yeah. people don't really realize. Is Definitely. Like, I mean, one, a very transformative moment for me was seeing the grave of Napoleon. Oh yeah. I remember you telling me about that. It was a tremendously humanizing experience. Can you tell that story? Yeah. So I was on an island called St. Helena. It's in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And this is the island where it's a British colony. And this is where the British exiled Napoleon to. And they put him in this rather modest home there. It was far better than a jail cell. But it's a modest home in the middle of the ocean. In the Caribbean, right? No, it was in the Atlantic. Yeah. So, So it's like literally smack dab between Africa and like South America. It's directly in the middle. The closest thing is an island called Ascension, I think, which is, uh, I, might, I might be incorrect about that, but there's an island that's like three or 400 miles away, and that's the closest thing. And then away from that, it's like <laughs> hundreds of miles. So Napoleon was Basic, ba- Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, anyway, he, he gets banished to this island, takes weeks to sail there. In those days, probably months. So he's on this island, and he eventually dies there. And... Standing in the room, like his bedroom, where he would have died, walking the gardens that he would have walked, and seeing the grave where he was buried was a tremendously humanizing experience because it brought this almost mythical Mm. figure from history. It brought him down to eye level. Right. Like, he's just a dude. He's just a monkey, like you and me, you know? And he, for better or worse, had a very outsized impact on the trajectory of humanity. Mm. And yeah, I I, I guess it really just made me realize everybody's human. It's, It's a cliche. You've heard it a thousand times. But knowing it is very, very, very different than feeling it and seeing it. Right. And for me, that was just a moment that was incredibly impactful. And at the time, I didn't experience any of these sensations, thoughts. I did not have this understanding of the experiences until much later. Oh, I was years later. Yeah. Yeah. Literally it was probably like six years later. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't understand it. I did. I, I knew it was impactful because I would think about it a lot. Yeah, um, but I didn't know why it was so impactful. Right, and, and it was one of the most like achingly beautiful places I've, I'd ever been in my life. Yeah, I remember um, you saying that. Yeah, it's. Yeah, his. You just walk down this hill to his gravesite, which is kind of in this like, it's in this little kind of valley, mm. I guess, and it's there's just so much greenery. And these just wonderful flowers and the sense and the, the just the whole the sensory experience mm. is unforgettable. It's unforgettable for sure. And I didn't expect it. You know, it's, I've been to grave sites before, you know, I've right. been on little garden walks before, 
but there was just an energy here that I had I just hadn't ever experienced before in my life. Yeah, it's it's kind of poetic. I mean, obviously I haven't been there, but just hearing about it, it's like Napoleon, this ball of energy, you know, just gets banished to this place of peace. Yeah, <laughs> he would have not been happy to be there. That's for yeah. sure. And he hated that island. Or maybe he learned, I, I would love to know what he learned. Yeah, I've, if he learned anything, I've heard that he hated it there. Oh. You know, he wanted to be back. Interesting, leading a country, right? You know, campaigning, doing but stuff. It's, it's a tra- It's poetic in that sense. Yeah. The guy who's literally in heaven is just miserable. Yeah, and yeah. So that that was that was extremely cool to see. But it yeah, it brought great figures from history down to ground level. And in terms of leaving a legacy, the best way to do that is to have a very, 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 very positive impact on the world. Of course, you could go out and do something very bad and be remembered in the history books for burning down a very large building or something like that. But you want to be remembered for having a very, very positive impact on humanity. At least that's what I would like to be remembered for. And I, I would like to be remembered, you know. I would like, yeah, I, I, I would like to, which is kind of cool about like doing this podcast and stuff is because my voice is just, it, it kind of lives on, you yeah. know, and do I care if any, if it's ever listened to? Not, not particularly, you know, um, just like, I don't, I'm not going to be sad if I am not remembered and I don't care to know if I'm going to be remembered before I die, you know, like I am that like posthumous fame, I guess not fame's the wrong word for it, but like that, like I'm very happy to have a posthumous impact. Yeah. I don't need to, I definitely don't want to be famous. I definitely don't want to be like largely like celebrated or anything while I'm alive. It sounds like kind of like a pain and like a distraction (laughs) from the things that are like, genuinely interesting but in terms of being like long-term like yeah this guy had a really positive impact on the world i think that would be extremely cool and in my eyes the best way to do that is to have positive impact and the best way to have a positive impact is to contribute create and the best way to contribute is by creating Mm -hmm. you know so i certainly am going to practice this um practices method more more consciously and more often for sure and pay attention to the results and try and refine and share this as much as I can pretty much. Hey man, I think it creates a better world. I agree. To live is to create. I I remember a quote like, and to create is to live. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, it's also like the question isn't, you know, to build or not to build the questions. How? Yeah. You know, we have to, as humans, the question is not even what it's not even what it's how. Yep. Wow. Exactly. And we have to, I think it's a human need to yeah. create. And, and now more than ever, uh, it's imperative with, to get like, to bring our planet into balance and stuff. We just have to solve big complex issues so that we can continue to push technology forward and continue to push science and art forward. And so that we all can, 
enjoy the fruits of it. Yep. You know, like I want to see this train keep rolling. Totally. I want to be here in 70 years looking at it all saying, oh my gosh, what a freaking ride it was for humanity during those times. Hell you know? yeah. Who said that quote about like, I don't know what humanity is going to look like in the future, but I know it will look fundamentally different than what it is now. Do you know who said that? No, I don't. Somebody said something like that. Another quote that's like that. And I don't remember who said this. I think it was Einstein or something, but somebody asked him or somebody, do you think that humans are going to make it? And he said back barely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think we like to look at things in terms of in binary terms. Yeah. So we'll say either we're all extinct or none of us are extinct or something like that. But in reality, like things could get pretty rough and only a fraction of the population could survive. You know, I would, I don't want to see that happen. I would like to see things stabilize. And I think that we, we have all the tools to be able to do that. Yeah. And we just need to survey the world and, look at what problem what fundamental what what problems are causing the most chaos what are what problems are stopping us from that like from growing into a place of more stability and harmony and prioritize those problems and i think my opinion on that is the mind is a really really good place for us to start yeah for sure because i get that we're battling an actual pandemic illness but there's mental illness in all of us definitely and we will be more capable of fighting these pandemics or whatever if our minds are clear and effective and people are happier and we're able to work together and we're able to find common ground any problems that present themselves are going to be easier to solve yeah Amen. Cool, man. Well, that's it. It's been a special little Saturday morning production for it you. It has. Very fun. And uh, hey, guys, again, if you enjoyed this, just uh, stripe that <laughs> iron down the middle of the fairway. You know and, the feeling. And click that uh, subscribe button for yeah. us because we want to keep making more of these. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. This is Thomas. Mason. It's been the Vantage Podcast. Logging off.